You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, unafraid witness, and uncommon community. If you have yet to do so, we would love to have you join us for worship in God's Word on Sunday mornings. For more information, visit us online at harvestniagara.ca. Thanks for listening. Well, amen, and it is great for Sue and I to be back uh, in Niagara again this weekend. We're uh, so thankful to be here, to be able to open God's Word and continue uh, in the theme of grounded. Um, So get your Bibles out. This morning we were in Hebrews 12 last week. We're going to go back a chapter earlier uh, to Hebrews 11 uh, this week as uh, we think about a message about faith. Last week we were talking about being uh, grounded um, with our eyes focused on Jesus. If you get that right, uh, then you'll get the rest of it right. We so often get our eyes focused on so many other things when our eyes need to be focused on Christ. Um, but at the first part of Hebrews chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And so we want to go and look a little bit at some of those witnesses um, and their faith and uh, how that helped them in their walk with God. Now, what I love about these people is um, they were messed up people just like we are, right? They, they didn't have it all figured out. They had their struggles. Uh, the one guy who's listed in the book of Hebrew, in, in the chapter 11 of Hebrews, that kind of blows my mind is Samson. Um, You study Samson in the Bible, and he basically does everything wrong. Every decision he makes is like the wrong decision until the very end when he has one real act of faith, and he pulls the pillars, and the roof falls down, and all the rest, and he makes it on the list. So I think if if Samson can make it on the list, then there's hope for us as well, right? And so we want to talk today about being grounded um, in our faith, and as I said, we're going to look at that uh, from Hebrews 11. Uh, We're going to focus on a number of characters, but I want to uh, just kind of get the grounding of this this from uh, verses 1 and 2. So let's stand together. Let's honor God as we uh, read his word, and then we'll pray together. Hebrews 11, uh, verses 1 and 2. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. In verse 3, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Father, we thank you for the privilege to come together today. We thank you for the opportunity to open your word. We ask, God, that you would um, do in our hearts what we can't do ourselves. Lord, we're not looking to muster up some kind of an emotional thing in us. We're asking that your spirit would work in us, that we would be people who, with our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, with our hope set on him, with our faith on Christ alone, uh, we would be grounded to walk forward in our lives to bring you glory as we live for your fame. So guide us through your word today. Encourage our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can take your seats. Um, We know everyone in the world demonstrates faith, right? Not necessarily spiritual faith, although in the heart of man, he knows there is a God. The Bible teaches us that. But we all operate by faith in our, in our lives. There's things that we do that mean we uh, show faith. With, if you climb up a ladder, you actually believe the ladder is going to hold you. That's why you, why you, you uh, step on it. If you were uh, this seat that I'm going to use later on in illustration, the, the only way I'm going to sit on it is if I actually have faith 
that it's going to hold me up. If I didn't have faith it would hold me up, I wouldn't sit on it because I knew there would be a cl big clunk when I, I hit the floor. When you uh, get onto an airplane, you uh, have to demonstrate some faith. And uh, I understand a little bit of the principles of the air going over the wings and it causes lift and all the rest and, and the plane goes up and the plane comes down, and, but you have to have faith. I'm the kind of guy who likes to be in control. If I'm a, in a car, I want to be the guy behind the wheel. If we're going over a cliff, I want to be the guy who took us over the cliff, right? That's the kind of, the kind of guy I am. And so, um, but you have to have faith. Um, you have to have faith. You get in an airplane and you sit down and you buckle up your seatbelt and you go down the runway and that thing starts to take off and you're in a missile going through the sky and, and then slowly as you come into land, I call that like a controlled crash, and unfortunately you crash right onto the runway as this thing, you have to have faith. That's the way you get onto an airplane. If you are one of those outside kind of people and you stand up on a big platform and seven people or eight people are out here and you do a trust fall, right? That's called faith. I'm not doing it, but some people do it because they have faith. And so we want to talk about this topic of faith today. And Hebrews chapter 11 is a great chapter for us to focus in. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old perceived their commendation. Just as our physical eyesight is the sense that gives us evidence of the material world, faith is the sense that gives us evidence of the invisible spiritual world. Faith is the assurance. Faith is the conviction. Uh, the idea of faith brings with it the words like words like trust and belief and confidence. Um, faith is given to us by God. And not the faith necessary to sit on a chair. That's given to us. Everyone's got that, right? That, but the faith that you had to put your trust in Jesus Christ at some point in your life as a follower of Christ, that, that, didn't, that didn't come from you. That came from God. God did that work in you. He brought that to you. Faith is the assurance. Faith is given to us by God, along with his grace and mercy, according to his plan and purpose. And because of that, he gets all the glory. Well, how does this faith come to us? Um, in Romans chapter 10 and verse 15, 17, it says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ or hearing through the Word of God. You want to grow in your faith? you got to spend time in the Word. If you're struggling in your walk and you're not spending time in the Word, you are on a, on a pathway towards a big crash. The way that your faith will be rejuvenated, the way your faith will build, is by spending time in the Word of God. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the Word of Christ. When you get your eyes fixed back on who God is, who Christ is, that's why we started with that last week when we talked about focus on Christ, because when you get that focus right, your eyes of faith begin to expand and begin to grow and your ability to trust and move forward in difficult times. Um, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And in our chapter in Hebrews 11 and verse 6, it says this, and without faith... It's impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Without faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can't please God with good works. You can't please God by trying harder. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So what is faith? How do you define it? 
Um, I've got um, three illustrations for you. Hopefully one of them will help you. I remember as a, as a guy in probably high school age, somebody gave me kind of this acrostic for faith. It was for forsaking all I trust him. Forsaking all I trust him. Everything else in the world will wither and fall away, but the word of the Lord will remain forever. Our hope for eternal life is in Christ alone, forsaking everything else. I'm putting all of my hope in the Jesus basket, forsaking everything else. I trust him. Um, Sue and I have been married for 41 years. Thanks, son, for giving me that little... May 26, 1979, I know the date, that's the important thing, right? How many of them? Not near as important as knowing the date. So um, 41 years, we've been married, and I've let her down many, many times, right? If her hope is in me, uh, that's not a good place for her hope to be. Uh, We have great love for each other, we've got great encouragement, we've got strength being together and all the rest of it, but but her hope should not be in me, and my hope should not be in her. Uh, my hope is in Jesus Christ, and her hope is in Jesus Christ, because always I will come to a place in some way of letting her down. Forsaking everyone else, I trust him. That's one. I read this, uh, or I got this um, um, definition one time. It says, faith is believing the word of God and acting upon it, no matter how I feel, because God promises a good result. See, if we get caught up in what we want and what we want to do, then we'll take our eyes off of what God's word says to do. So faith is believing the word of God and acting upon it no matter how I feel because God promises a, a good result. Uh, here's the uh, illustration of faith that I like, and it's a great illustration, especially when you think about your salvation, how you were trusting in certain things, and, and then you came to the understanding of who Jesus Christ, it's the, it's the picture of these two stools. And, and so this is what man has his trust in, and so we sit on that stool. It's the stool of the things that I can do. It's the stool of the things that I can accomplish. It's the stool of I am the king of my castle. And uh, I have my faith in all of that. So many people are going to stand before God, and he's going to say, why should I let you into my heaven? They're going to say, well, because I was a good person. I did all these good things, and I, was, I, didn't, I didn't kick the cat. And like, all those things are going to say, and God's going to say, um, I never knew you, because their faith was in the wrong thing. Our faith is not in ourselves. Our, our faith is not in the system. Our faith is not, our faith needs to be in God alone, in Jesus Christ. And so faith is a transfer of your trust. Faith is a transfer of your trust from what you were hoping in, what you were leaning in, and putting your trust in Jesus Christ. And it's not a trust in those things anymore. When I stand before God and he says, why should I let you into my heaven? The answer is, because I'm with Jesus Christ because of what he did for me, because of what he accomplished for me. And so when you think about faith in your life, think about where is your trust? Where is your hope? What are you leaning on? In verse 2, in verse 2 it says, um, for by it the people of old receive their commendation. Um, all of these people, regular, ordinary Joes, by faith, by faith. That's how they ended up in this chapter, by faith, by transferring their trust from what they thought was important, what they were leaning on, and putting their trust in God alone, or for us, more more fully understanding in Jesus Christ alone. 
And so we want to take a look today at a number of things. I've, I've called this message Faith, the Impossible, the Impossible Made Possible. And so the first thing that we want to take a look is, without faith, it is impossible. What is it impossible for us to do who are supposed to be living by faith if we don't have it? And uh, we find it in the first three illustrations uh, in Hebrews 11. The first one is uh, Hebrews 11 and verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent uh, sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gift. And through faith, though he died, he still speaks. Without faith, here's the first thing, it's impossible to worship God. Without faith, it is impossible to worship God. And so in the early chapters of Genesis, you have uh, these two brothers, Cain and Abel, and they bring their sacrifice before the Lord. And uh, um, um, Abel's sacrifice was an animal. It was a blood sacrifice. Cain's sacrifice was a first fruits a sacrifice. And God rejected Cain's and God accepted Abel's. Because of what they were? No, probably not. Because of the heart that was behind them. It's because of how they brought their gift. And, and, and um, Abel brought a gift that was accepted by God. Um, why was it accepted? Well, it was accepted because it was given with a right heart. In uh, Psalm 51, 16 and 7, it says, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. And so Abel brings his gift with a right heart by faith. He brought it with a right motive, Galatians 1.10, for I am not seeking the approval of man or God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And so we bring our sacrifice, we bring our worship with a right heart, and then we bring it by faith. And that's what it says that Abel did. By faith, Abel offered to God a more, a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Um, you might say, well, what a waste of a life. Remember what happens to Abel. Um, what a waste of a life. No, no, he brought his sacrifice. He brought his worship, and um, what does your act of worship look like? Cain was judgmental. He was critical, even to the place of anger or hate. Abel brought his sacrifice humbly to the Lord, and God accepted it by faith. It is, Im- it is impossible to worship God without faith. Uh, lots of people go to church every week. Lots of people uh, go through and they do all the checklist things. On, but their heart isn't right. Their motive isn't right. Their worship isn't right. Uh, God help us to be people who get our eyes fixed on God, get our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ because it is impossible. It's impossible without faith to worship Here's another thing. Look at uh, verses 5 and 6. It's, in faith, it's impossible for us ultimately to walk in Christ without faith. The picture in Hebrews 11 is that of Enoch. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he could, should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. 
that before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. In, in Genesis, it says, Enoch walked with God. And he was not. He was gone. Why? Because God took him. Um, without faith, it's impossible to do this walk that we are called to do in Jesus Christ. Uh, he, he, the words about him says he pleased God. You know, I don't think a lot about what I want written on my gravestone, but uh, he was faithful. He fought the good fight. He finished the course. He kept the faith. Those would be cool things. How about, how about Paul Whittingstall? He walked with God. He walked with God. Would that be a description that people use of you when they think of you and your character and the way you live and the things that you do? Do they say, no, he walks with God. He walks with God. I hear it in his voice. I hear it every time we talk. He says, let me pray for you. And then he doesn't just walk away, but he stops and he prays for me. Or he uses the word of God in the conversations that we have. He, he demonstrates righteousness in the way he lives with his family, when he lives with his wife, when he raises his kids. Do, do people say those things about you and about me? You can't do that. Unless you do it by faith, the Bible says. It was true of this man Enoch. Enoch walked with God. He had close communion with him. He lived separated from the world. We're coming back to that in this message. He was in a life that was in progress. He was walking step by step, being sanctified, being more like Jesus Christ. Sometimes I think you read about Enoch. There's only very few verses in the Bible about him. And you think, like, this guy was perfect. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't say he was perfect. Just as he walked with God. He walked with God. You can't walk with God without faith. You can't walk with God without transferring your trust from the things that you are hoping in to the things that Christ has given you. He walked with God. Here's some verses about that in Scripture. 2 Corinthians 5.7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. See, if I only walked by sight... Uh, there's, there's the, the hope that comes for us is not, it's not there for me and I can only see what's right in front of my face and it doesn't take me to honoring Jesus Christ and living for his glory. We don't, we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. Ephesians 4, 1 says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. And Colossians 1.10 says, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Walking is step-by-step step progress, moving forward. Um, if you've got little children, you've uh, watched them as they learn to walk. It's kind of humorous. It's why they wear diapers so they don't hurt when they fall down, um, amongst other reasons, I'm sure. But um, uh, children, when they're learning to walk, they're up and down and up and down and up and down. They move from crawling to pulling themselves up on the coffee table because everybody else seems to be upright. Why am I down on the floor? And they figured it's much more efficient if my two little legs take me and those two little feet carry that big head around. It's all disproportionate, but they learn to walk and they fall down and they get up and they fall down and they get up. And that's what we need to do in our walk. We fall down and we get up. Why? Because God never gives up on us. And we walk by faith. We walk by faith in who Jesus Christ is and what he's accomplished for us and what is coming for us. If you don't have faith, it's impossible 
to walk. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. It's impossible to walk. We don't do it in our own strength, our own determination, with our own sacrifice, in our own effort. We don't do it to put a checkbox religion. We don't do it out of ritual. We don't do it with misplaced gifts and talents. We, we don't do it for our family. We do it to bring glory to Jesus Christ. We walk by faith. And without faith, it's impossible to walk. 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9 says this, Though you have not seen him, you love him. That's faith. Though you do not see him now, you believe him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, your walk, the salvation of your soul. Without faith, it's impossible to walk. A walk that begins that moment when you put your trust in Jesus Christ alone. When you came to that place, when you realized, oh my goodness, all of my hope, all of my satisfaction, everything I'm leaning on, I'm sitting in the wrong chair. My faith is in the wrong things. And you came to the point of understanding what Jesus Christ did for you, what he accomplished for you, and you moved and you put your trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. The salvation of your souls is not just about, okay, I have Jesus in my heart and now I'm saved. It's the salvation of our souls, that eternal peace that comes with it, looking forward to all that's coming for us in Jesus Christ. Have you transferred your trust from what you were hoping in and putting your trust in Jesus Christ alone? Without faith, it's impossible to do that. For grace, for by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift. It's a gift from God, not of works, so that no one can boast. And if you have never trusted Christ, you come to the place of, I was trusting in the wrong things. I was on the wrong path. I was going in the wrong direction. I'm putting my trust in Jesus Christ. He is my hope. He is my satisfaction. You see, without faith, it's impossible to walk with God, to obtain that faith, which is the salvation of your soul. Here's a third picture. Without faith, it's impossible to work for Christ. It's impossible to work for Christ. I, I don't know about your church here in Niagara. Lots of our churches uh, back in the day used the three W's, worship, walk, and work, and, and those are right here in Hebrews chapter 11. Um, it's impossible to work, truly work, for Christ. Now, you can do a lot of things, but you're not doing it for the right reason. You're not doing it with the right hope, with the right end in mind. And so it's impossible possible to work is found in the life of Noah in verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events yet, not, yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Without faith, you won't work for Christ because you'll give up. Can you imagine if you're Noah? There's never been a flood before. Nobody's ever probably built a boat like he's building. And, uh, and God calls him, you build a boat. You build a boat. And by faith, he and his family start building this boat. It took them somewhere 
75 to 120 years, depending on how you count the things. It took a long time. And as he was doing it, the ridicule. Can you imagine the ridicule? You idiot, what are you doing? No, you better believe judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. And for this decades and decades and decades, he continues to be faithful and builds the boat, even though everyone else is telling him he's an idiot. And then... They all get in the ark, and the door closes, the rain starts, and the floods come, and judgment comes on the world, and you see, without faith, it's impossible to work. It's impossible because you would give up. You would give up. But how about you with your, with your neighbor and with your friend, and you see, without faith, you'll give up on them. Without faith, you'll be like, oh, they're, they're never coming to Christ. It's not going to happen. Without faith, my, my loved ones, my family who don't know Christ, I, without faith, you'll pack it in. But by faith, you keep on going and you keep on doing and you keep on serving and you allow God to do what God will do in their lives. This man, it says he found favor in the eyes of God. He was a righteous man. He was a blameless man. He walked with God the Bible talks about him and says. And when God calls him to build an ark, he responds in reverent fear. And the results, the saving of his household, the condemnation of the world, and he becomes an heir just like us by faith. So God calls us to be faithful. God calls us to work for him. And it's by faith that you don't give up. It's by faith that you continue to serve in the youth ministry or in a children's ministry or in a men's ministry or in a women's ministry because some of those people are just nuts. Like, why can't they get it? I've been telling this, this for years. We've been working this through. That guy, why can't he get over his problem? Why can't he? Be careful about the speck and the beam thing in your own eye. But, but the point is, without faith, you give up. But no, because you keep trusting, you don't give up and you keep serving and you keep doing and you keep allowing God to work. Without faith, it's impossible to worship. Without faith, it's impossible to walk. Without faith, it's impossible to work. But by faith, by faith, we want to take a look at the life of Moses now in this text, and that's found in verses 23 down through 26 or 27. By faith, Moses, when he was growing up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater than the treasure of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch him. By faith, it is possible. I want to take a look at four things real quick. By faith, what is it possible to do? Here's the first thing. We see it in Moses' life. By faith, it's possible to refuse to conform to the world. By faith, it's possible to refuse to conform to the world. The world calls us to all kinds of things, but if you're not grounded in faith, you'll be torn away and you'll conform to the world over and over and over again. But in, in verses 24 and 25, look what it says there. By faith, 
Moses, when he was grown, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He refused to be called. He could have had the easy life. He could have, but he had transferred his trust from what was wrong to what was right and what was righteous. He was going to be a man who was going to live by faith, choosing rather to suffer the affliction. I love how at the end of those verses it says um, about the pleasures of sin. And um, look at the end of verse 25, the fleeting pleasure of sin. You know, if anybody ever tries to tell you that sin isn't fun or sin isn't pretty or sin doesn't have a spotlight or it doesn't have a sparkle, tell them to stop lying to you. It does. The Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. There will be a reckoning. There will be a judgment. There will be, all of that's going to come to a close. But sin is fun. Sin is pleasurable. Sin is evil. Sin separates us from God. Ultimately, sin and our acceptance of it sends us to hell. But he chose, he chose to walk away from that because he was choosing to choose righteousness. By faith, we refuse to be conformed to the world. Probably the most famous verses in the Bible about this are Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. The battle, I love it. One of the things I love about this verse is the battle is for your mind. The battle is for your mind. The renewing of your mind. Like get your mind on the right thing. Get your mind on the right priorities. Get your mind on the right things. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace, the old, the old hymn writer said, um, Moses made his stand and he refused to be conformed to the world. 2 Corinthians 6.17 says, Come out from among them and, and be separate. Come out from among them and be separate. The believer's life is to look different. The believer's life is to be a separated life. Not conformed to this world. Proverbs 22, 25 says, The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts the Lord is safe. So what are the snares of the world? Um, I, I like watching on HGTV, or maybe that's not that, maybe it's Discovery Channel, whatever it is, but they'll have these trapping things, and a guy puts a snare out. Where does he put the snare? He puts a snare on a well-worn path. And so the animal comes, gets caught in the snare, it's done, and that's what a snare is, right? And, and, and that's the picture of what's going on here. A snare is a trap on a well-traveled path. And we get caught up in our well-traveled paths, and we end up in a snare, getting choked out, as it were, because we're conforming to the world. By faith, by faith, we make our stand. How? By knowing God's word and doing it. By surrounding ourselves with godly people who keep us accountable. By, by all kinds of different things. By worship together. By lifting our voices in song. By we keep ourselves from the snare. We keep ourselves from the world. We decide what God has accomplished for me and what God has for me is more important Moses refused to be conformed 
to the world. Verse 25 Verse 25 of Hebrews 11 says, By faith Moses, when he was born, excuse me, that's verse 23, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. So it'd be a lie to say that sin's not pleasurable. It would also be a lie to say that it has no consequences. Sin's pleasure is short-lived, and eventually it destroys us. So God helping us, God helping us, refuse to be conformed to this world. So where's, where's that touch point in your life? Where's that pressure spot in your life today? Is it in cutting corners in the workplace, being conformed to the world? Is it in, in uh, things that you're watching or doing on your computer? Um, are you being conformed to the world? Is it, is it um, just stepping back and taking shortcuts in your life? Is it the, the way you lead your family? Are you like the world? The world's all doing it, so we're going to do it. Um, Look at verse 26. It's an interesting uh, play on words, I guess. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasure of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Um, The reproach of Christ, Moses didn't know who Jesus was as he's doing this, right? Um, But but as, as we understand it by faith, what he was willing to give up, what he was willing to suffer is now used as a picture of what Jesus Christ has accomplished for us. And then um, at the end of that verse, because he was looking to the reward, he was looking to the reward. The, the reason that we are able in our walk with God to, to, to refuse to be conformed to the world is because we're looking to the reward. We're looking to what we have in Christ and what he's done. He's given all of that to us. Um, Don't live for what the world will promise you today. Live for what God has promised you in the future. Here's another thing. By faith, it is possible to do what other people fear. It's possible to do what other people fear. By faith, verse 27, he left Egypt not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, it's impossible to do what others fear. Um, so often maybe stepping out in our faith and standing for Jesus Christ and we fear that, we fear what's going to come, the ridicule, the teasing, the whatever it might be. Um, For these people in Hebrews, they trusted Christ. They were concerned about losing their job, being kicked out of their family. Um, They had fear. So as they're reading this, they're like, oh my goodness, look what Moses did. He was willing to make his stand. Are we willing to make our stand? Hey, church, are we willing to make our stand? Are we willing to do what other people fear? It doesn't mean it was easy for Moses. You've probably all heard somebody preach the message on Moses' excuses as to why he couldn't serve God. Um, They're in Exodus 3 and 4. Uh, The first one, God calls him and he says, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? You might say that. Who am I? God calls us to live for him. God calls us to serve him. And you're like, well, who am I? I'm not the preacher. I'm not the elders. I'm not the, I'm just some monkey out on the street. Who am I? Right? And God says, I'll be with you to Moses. In Exodus 3, he says, but I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Well, you'll never be ready. I remember when we were just married and we were thinking about when we were going to have kids. Right? And, uh, And we thought, when we can afford it, that's when we'll have kids. Okay, we would have never had children if we used that as the guide, right? Um, and well, that's kind of what's going on here with him. I'm not ready. And God says, I sent you. 
I sent you. I will prepare you. I will give you what you need. He says, uh, they won't believe or listen to me. And then God gives them the staff to use as a tool. He says, I can't speak very well. And God says, I gave you your voice. And he says, send someone else. And God sends along with him Aaron to help him and support him. But Moses had his concerns. He had his fears. He had his reasons why he couldn't serve God, just like you do, just like I do. And, and God has an, every, an answer for every one of them. And, and one of those, I'll never leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm going to give you what you need for this. Will you always be successful in your eyes? Of course not. But I will work in you and I will work through you. And by faith, it's possible to do what other people fear. Because our eyes of success are not based on how things are quantified in this world, but rather we learn to quantify things by how God's economy works and what God wants from us. Um, when the time came to lead the people out, he did not fear. He did not fear. By faith, it's possible to do what others fear. Two more, here's one. By faith, it is possible to, the, to do the things we are called to do. Uh, look at verse uh, 28. Um, it says, by faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Um, the Passover is at the end of the 10 plagues, 10 times. Can you imagine? And like you're back in again to Pharaoh, back in again, back in again, another plague, another plague, another plague. And it leads to the Passover at the end and the protection of those with the, the blood on the doorposts and all the rest. 10 plagues. Um, God enabled him to do that. God gave him the strength to do that. God gave him the courage to do that. God gave him the perseverance to do that. And when, our, when we do things by faith, we don't look for the satisfaction or the accomplishment in how we think they're supposed to turn out. I think Moses, Moses didn't know they're going to go in there 10 times and, and over and over and, and, then, and then finally he saw what God did. He didn't give up. He saw what God did. Um, we're able to do the things that we are called to do. God gives us everything we need. Everything we need. Remember when uh, Paul asked for the Lord to take away the thorn in the flesh? He goes, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give that to you because I'm going to use that as a tool in your life uh, towards faithfulness because if I took it away, you would become prideful. And so he kept on and he didn't give up and, and God used him in ways that are just so awesome. Um, by faith, it's possible to do the things that we are called to do. By faith, it's possible to worship and to walk and to work for our Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's the last one. By faith, it's possible to make an impact. It's possible to make an impact. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. In the New Testament, in Acts 17, 6, one of my favorite passages in the book of Acts, says, and when they could, could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And so the followers of Jesus Christ are trying to be faithful. They're being called before city leaders. They're being beaten. There's things have been thrown into jail. There's all kinds of things that are happening to them, but they made a difference and, and, and in Acts 17, 6, it says, they turn their world upside down. They turn their world upside down. For who? For Jesus Christ. For the cause of Christ. For the hope of eternal life. They turn their world upside down. Does anybody, 
anywhere say you're doing that. You're turning your world upside down. You're having an impact. You're making a difference. Again, it's not about you. It's what God does through you, right? We understand that. But they, they turned their world upside down. These guys were going from city to city. And there was fear when they would come into their city. Why? Because they caused a ruckus for Jesus Christ. Does your life cause a ruckus for Jesus Christ? Not because you're a bonehead, but because your faithfulness before God causes people to come to. They got to deal with stuff in their life. By faith, it's possible to make an impact. Without faith, it's impossible. But by faith, by the transfer of our trust to the things that we hoped into, fixing our eyes on Jesus Christ and the things that he's done, it is possible. It's possible. Well, so what? So what? As the church of Jesus Christ here in Niagara, as followers of Jesus Christ, do you have your eyes focused on him? Do you have your eyes focused on the one who suffered for you? Do you have your eyes on the one who paid the price that you couldn't pay so you could have the eternal life that you didn't deserve, the hope of eternal life with him? Our eyes fixed on Christ with our hope transferred from what we think is important and seeing more and more from God's word what is true and what is important. You see, in chapter 11 of Hebrews, we see God using ordinary people to turn their world upside down. And God will do the same with us when we are people who live and act by faith. Leaning in because of God's faithfulness to them. Do you lean in because of God's faithfulness to you so that God can do the impossible through you for his glory? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for the truth of it. We thank you for um, the examples that we've seen in Hebrews chapter 11. There's so many other examples of, of, of regular people, regular people just like us. But Lord, they had their eyes on you their desire was in you. It doesn't mean they didn't struggle. I'm sure Noah had days he didn't want to get out of bed and work on that crazy boat one more time. I'm, I'm sure Moses had days when, Lord, can you just get somebody else to do this job? I really don't want to do this job. But they had faith in you and what you were doing, and they were looking forward. God, help us because of the finished work of Jesus Christ to look forward, looking forward with our focus on Christ to live for you, for your fame, for your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.